Good morning to you. Yeah, isn't it great to be back together? Fantastic. Happy New Year to you. I've always wondered how far into the month can you still say Happy New Year? But this is fine, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that's great. Excellent. Um, carry on getting your teas and coffees. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, my name's, in case you don't know, my name's David. Um, I'm not part of the lead team. As you know, that if you're on the lead team, you always, they will say that, don't they? So I'm not part of the lead team. I am closely related to two of them. I'll leave you to work out which ones. <laughs> uh, but uh, they've asked me to start um, this week only, for me anyway, uh, a new series uh, for, for this year, which I'll explain in a second. But you see the question on the, on the screen there, what is your favourite book of the Bible? Okay, let's just sort of get a little bit of sense. Go on then. It would be Daniel, wouldn't it? It would be Daniel. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Uh, any other any other uh, suggestions? But was that Proverbs? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Proverbs for Sunday as well. Yeah, great. Yeah, any any other suggestions? Any favourite books? Psalms. Yeah, I thought that would probably come up. Uh, anyone else? Joshua over here. S sorry, uh, Mavis. The whole book. <laughs> the whole book. Yes, <laughs> fair enough. The whole book, the whole book. I just before I came up, I just looked to see what some people say was Jesus's favourite book in the Bible, which obviously it wouldn't be in the New Testament, would it? But uh, there's probably various answers to that question, but one of them, interestingly, was Deuteronomy. I don't suppose anybody was going to suggest that as their favourite book of the Bible, Deuteronomy. He quoted from that quite a lot. So yeah, what is your favourite book? in the Bible, and uh, the reason we are asking that question is because this new series, um, as we start 2024, is called Foundations. So over the next few weeks, there'll be different themes, different topics, um, looking at uh, different foundations, because I don't know about you, here we are, the beginning of a brand new year, and we want to make sure that we are on some firm foundations, as we were singing, actually, uh, a few minutes ago. And so the, uh, the first question which has been put to me to ask, and then we're going to ask this question together ourselves, um, which is going to be there on the screen, is how could the Bible change my life this year? So we're going to be focused on the Bible this week. It'll be a different topic next week under the banner of foundations. So the Bible is our topic today. How could the Bible change my life this year? Now... I've been thinking a lot about how you would kind of answer that question depending on what you think about the Bible or how you treat the Bible, um, you know, whether or not it's, it's important. Um, I suspect even in this room there's a wide spectrum of people um, who have different thoughts on that. Um, and as you go outside of the building here into the wider world, there would certainly be a wide spectrum. There'll be people who've never read the Bible. Never even picked it up. I mean, it's supposed to be a bestseller. Uh, I believe it still is. Uh, but there will be people who've never read it. Or they might have one on the shelf and never looked at it. There'll be those who perhaps have tried to read the Bible, you know, maybe started at the beginning and got to Deuteronomy or somewhere like that, Leviticus, and given up. Uh, there'll be others who, you know, perhaps read it years ago and thought, well, I've read it now, so that's fine. 
Um, and there'll be others that perhaps are reading it on a, on a regular basis. It'll be this spectrum. So I suppose the question, if we've got this question in front of us, how could the Bible change my life this year? That obviously implies certain things. So the question, I suppose, related to that that I have posed is, you know, how vital is the Bible for us? Is it vital? Is it vital for, for, for us in life? Is it necessary for every Christian? Or can you kind of get by without it? Do we really need the Bible? I'm going to compare it a little bit with food, okay? And I suspect all of us have had a fair amount of food over Christmas. I don't know about you. Well, as you can see, I have. <laughs> but the reason I mention food is because, you know, there's different sorts of food. There's food that, that does us good, good, healthy food. And I don't know how many diet or cookery books have been sold this Christmas or given this Christmas. <laughs> when we think, for all sorts of reasons, more about food than normal. Um, but there's a difference between good food and what some people call junk food. Now, you know, to have some junk food now and again probably isn't too bad, but I was thinking, if somebody said to you to come to FCC, you know we tend to call this church FCC, Foundry Community Church, it's the initials for Foundry Community Church, FCC. If, by mistake, you didn't go to FCC, but you went to KFC... <laughs> you know that you wouldn't feel very well if you kept going there every week. Now, I get a bit confused. I used to work for the BBC, and I work for UCB, and here I'm at FCC talking about KFC. <laughs> There's a lot of initials going around at the moment. But yeah, KFC, lovely as it is, finger-licking good, wouldn't do you a lot of good if you kept going there all the time. That's all you ate. Okay. So think of food a little bit like that. that There's good food that does us good, and makes us makes us well. Now the reason I say that is because remember Jesus in the desert was 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 tempted by the devil and uh, after 40 days without any KFC was very hungry. Yeah, I would be after 40 days. 40 days is very hungry. So the devil was saying to him, well, why don't you just turn those stones into bread and then you won't be hungry anymore. And there's a verse which we're going to pop up here which is from uh, the message paraphrase, which I think is very helpful, very meaningful. Because Jesus said to the devil, quoting funnily enough from Deuteronomy, <laughs> he said, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Okay? So that what Jesus was saying was, you need the word of God. You Basically, you need the Bible to stay alive. It's not an optional extra. It's not a nice-to-have, it's absolutely essential for life. So what I'm going to do um, in, in our sort of brief time together is I'm going to sort of split this, this talk into, uh, I suppose, like two halves of a football match. So the first half will be uh, three answers to that question that we've got before us. How could the Bible change my life this year? And I'm going to sort of, you know, push you to think about that question um, and ponder it and, and reflect on it. So three, three answers to the question. That's in the first half. We'll have a, uh, we won't have a, a, a break, but we'll have a second half. And the second half will be some practical tips, really, on you know, what we can do to come to the Bible in a helpful uh, a way. And at the very end, just before the final whistle blows, we'll have some news about really something quite different that we're going to introduce here um, from a, in a couple of weeks' time that will help you maybe engage with the Bible in a way that you haven't done uh, ever before. It's something uh, unique and a bit special 
uh, here at the foundry. So we'll tell you about that in, in a bit. So okay, let's kick off then and answer this question with three answers. The question is, how could the Bible change my life this year? The three answers I'm going to give you, you, you know, I think you're going to think, is, 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 he, is he off his rocker? But anyway, the first answer is that the best, the Bible can help me to have the best year of my life. Now, you're thinking, he's going mad. This is, this, is, this, is, this is crazy. How can the Bible help me to have the best year of my life? I mean, obviously, the Bible is made up of lots of sorts of books. There's 66 books. There's history books. There's poetry books. There's prophecy books. There's uh, the, the apocalypse in, in Revelation. There's all sorts of styles. There's the letters. But at the end of it, there's a lot to help us just live life. I don't know about you. When a baby is born, where is the manual to help the parents learn how to bring that baby up? Is, you know, everything else has, has instructions that comes with it, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, we played quite a few games uh, in our family over Christmas, some new games. If we didn't look at the, the, the rules and the instructions, the guidelines, there would, be, there would be chaos. So I think it's helpful to think of the Bible as kind of life's instruction manual in some respects. It's more than that, I know, but let's just think of it for a second as kind of like life's instruction manual. And if you think of it like that, then... And I'm just using this as a, as, a, as a sort of, you know, a comparison, if you like. Think of the, the highway code that those of us, whether we're drivers or pedestrians or cyclists or whatever, the highway code has been brought together, has it not, to help ensure that, for example, vehicles stop at a traffic light when the light is red or go when it's green or whatever. Okay, so you have a highway code. You have these, these guidelines, these parameters to help with life. Um, what I think is important to remember, and I know that you hear people say, uh, perhaps of Christians, that, you know, uh, or of Christianity, that Christianity is just a lot of rules, just a lot of rules and regulations. That's one of the criticisms that's uh, addressed, isn't it, uh, at Christianity. And, um, and so I'm not in any way trying to imply that uh, Christianity is just a matter of rules and regulations. But what I'm trying to say is that the Bible provides us with the, the wisdom, you mentioned Proverbs, the instructions, the guidelines for living well and for living under uh, the way God wants us to have him at the center of our lives. But what I was conscious of as I was reflecting on this answer to the question, um, which is the Bible can help me to have the best year of my life, is that, think of a, a driving instructor for a second. A driving instructor is someone, if you're learning to drive, as you'll appreciate, that sort of sits beside you in the passenger seat, keeps an eye on things, helps, to, helps you to interpret, shall we say, the highway code. You know, you can read the highway code in theory, go through it, but you've then got to get in the car and actually drive the car, haven't you? So you have a driving instructor, and I think the driving instructor is a little bit like the Holy Spirit from a Christian point of view. Now, you may not have thought of it quite like this before, so this is maybe slightly radical thinking, but just think of it for a second. The driving instructor is, is, uh, is there beside you to help you put into practice uh, what the Bible teaches about life and getting the best out of life. And so, in a sense, the Holy Spirit is there to, similarly, to, to reassure you, to teach you, to instruct you. You know, we're, we're told in the Bible that the, the Holy Spirit is um, a comforter that comes uh, to, beside us. And there's just one verse, I'm going to put it up there now, from the most famous psalm of them all. We've mentioned psalm, Psalm 23. And verse 3 in Psalm 23 says, 
He renews my strength, this is God. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. So I like that middle phrase there. He guides me along the right paths. Uh, Don't we need to be guided along the right paths in life? (laughs) There's lots of directions, lots of, uh, you know, uh, rabbit holes and lots of uh, uh, variations on that that we could follow if we if we were so tempted to. So we want to be guided along the right paths in our lives. We want to be shown how to live our lives. And I believe that the Bible is there to uh, enable us to do that. So the Bible can help us have the best year of our lives. This life with Jesus can be an exciting journey. The second answer to the question, how could the Bible change my life this year, is almost the opposite, as you'll see. The Bible can help me even if it's the worst year of my life. Now, you may think this is somewhat odd to be saying that as well, but, you know, as we've been praying for friends and family and circumstances and situations, you know, none of us are unaware that in life, life uh, can be very, very difficult indeed, very, very tough. And what I'm trying to say here is that because the Bible is more than a book, as we've said, it's uh, 66 books altogether of all kinds, but it's more than a book. It is, in a sense, it's a little bit like, and I'm just using these pictures to help us try and understand it, I suppose, it's a little bit like what I'll call soul medicine. Soul medicine. Uh, The Bible, I'm sure you must have found over the years as you've looked at the Bible and and read the Bible, you'll have found that the Bible does does connect with you. I was thinking that, you know, we talk about reading the Bible, but actually the Bible reads us in many respects, doesn't it? Because as you read it, you, you realize that it's saying something to you. So the Bible's more than just a book. It's, it's kind of soul medicine. And I'll just put up this next verse from a, a psalm, another psalm, actually, 119. This is from the message, and I like the way it puts it. It says, I'm feeling terrible. I couldn't feel worse. My sad life's dilapidated a falling down barn, build me up again by your word. (laughs) I mean, you know, let's be honest, life can feel like that for sure, and can be like that. And yet the psalmist is still able to say, build me up again by your word. You might remember uh, some years ago, Her Majesty the Queen, I think it was as way back actually as 1992, in a a speech um, to, to mark her Ruby Jubilee on the throne, She was referring to 1992 as being the worst year of her life. Um, This is what she said. She says, 1992 is not a year on which I shall look back with undiluted pleasure. In the words of one of my more sympathetic correspondents, it's turned out to be an annus horribilis, um, which means a terrible, disastrous year. But I say that because I think you'll be... Uh, in agreement with me that the Queen uh, throughout her life was somebody for whom her Christian faith and the Bible was clearly central for her and was important for her and despite having the worst year of her life that year her faith and the Bible made such a difference but what I'd like to suggest is like I was saying about the driving instructor the Holy Spirit being a bit like the driving instructor helping us uh, to be taught the the Bible I'm going to suggest that the Holy Spirit is also a little bit like um, the best nurse that you can think of. Because I think that the the point about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit 
helping us with God's word, helping us with the Bible, can help us to get stronger. You know, if we do feel like a dilapidated, fallen down barn, <laughs> um, if everything is coming at us and we're just, you know, feeling crazy about life, um, then what the Bible is able to do uh, with the Holy Spirit coming alongside us, like, like a nurse, like a nurse, um, is, to, is to help us to keep strong, to, to help us to strengthen us, and so on. So I, I really do believe that the Bible can help me even if it's the worst year of my life, because we do know that this life with Jesus isn't always plain sailing, um, but the Bible can make that difference. So as we keep in mind this question, how could the Bible change my life this year? The third answer I'm going to give to you is that the Bible can help me keep focused on Jesus. Okay, um, I suppose it's fair to say that we tend to spend a lot of time looking in the mirror and thinking about ourselves. But the Bible, because from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, it's pointing towards Jesus, then the Bible is centered on Jesus. It's a bit like a spotlight, a bit like the lights here. The spotlight is always on Jesus in the Bible, and that is so important as we, as we come to it. Um, there's a verse in Hebrews, I'm gonna pop that up now, from chapter 12, verse two, which talks about keeping our eyes on Jesus. The author of Hebrews said, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in, study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. So if I'm thinking of the Bible, which is pointing to Jesus from beginning to end, and just a little incident which springs to mind, is that our two-year-old uh, granddaughter, Florence, we were with yesterday, and she's learning to read, and she's learned to read little stories, and she's learned that just uh, lately, when you get to the end of a story, it says the end. So she's saying very proudly, the end, when she gets to the end of the story, the end. And I was thinking, when you read the Bible, and you get to the end, if you were to read it from the beginning to the end, uh, to Revelation, actually it's not the end, is it? It's not as if when you finish the Bible, you close and, it's, and you say, the end, that's it. It's actually the beginning of the end, in a sense. That's the difference between the Bible. But what I was going to say about the fact that it's focused on Jesus, you know, right the way through the Bible, Jesus is at the center, is um, like the Holy Spirit being a bit like a driving instructor and being a bit like the best nurse you can think of. I think the, driving, the uh, Holy Spirit is also a little bit like your personal coach. You know, an athlete running a race needs somebody who can lead them to that finishing line and, and do, do really well. So I think, of, I think of the Holy Spirit as a little bit like your personal coach because that personal co coach <coughs> excuse me, will encourage you, inspire you, and be there uh, as you run that race in life. Okay, so I did say that there'll be kind of second half. So the second half is a very quick series of practical tips, if you like, for those who, I should just say as a disclaimer, are wanting to give the Bible a go this year or give it another go. If you are a kind of Bible superhero, then you might think some of the things that we're going to suggest are a bit simple, a bit basic. But, you know, this is a series on foundations. So I'm going to just uh, uh, look at, I think there are 10 actually, 10 quick questions about when you come to the Bible, perhaps give it a go this year, and, um, or give it another go, 
then what should we just look at? So the first question is printed or pocket. Okay, some people uh, have a, an issue as to whether you, you, you should have uh, you know, an actual printed Bible like that or whether you should use the version that you've got in your pocket, you know, on your phone or whatever. And I would just say, based on my own advice, the, one of the advantages of, of a printed Bible, and there's lots of them, is that it's, you become familiar with where places are, where verses are, where sections of the Bible are. Um, and of course, you can write in it as well. And I think sometimes um, in this day and age where clearly we do, and I do, I hasten to add, uh, depend a lot on the Bible on the phone, <clears throat> that's one of the things you can't do. So it's very good, I think, to have a printed Bible, if you can, and uh, increasingly, of course, the version on our phones or our tablets, U version being probably the most famous. In fact, I checked that um, U version, which has got lots of different translations of the Bible, which you can download on your phone, <coughs> excuse me, is installed on 630 million unique devices all over the world. So there's a lot of people, <laughs> so often in our small corner, we forget there are millions and millions and millions of other Christians uh, reading their Bible, even on their phone. So printed or pocket, next question would be ancient or modern. You know, some people say, oh, we must read it from the, the King James Version, uh, the authorized version. We, we must read it from that translation. <coughs> I've been discovering that um, uh, the King James was translated from the Latin over a, a, over a thousand years. Um, and of course, more modern translations go back to the original languages, the Greek or the Hebrew, that were used. So um, and when I say more modern, I mean, they're not that modern now. But one thing just to ask about ancient or modern is, you know, I think the thing is, you need to read a Bible that's in the kind of language that you understand, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's clear to you. Um, and you may or may not appreciate that there are translations that are more of a word-for-word -word translation, sort of, you know, more precise translation, something like the ESV and I think the, uh, the New King James, they'll be more word-for-word -word from the original. And there, there, are, there are translations that were called more thought for thought. So they try to translate the, the thought behind what's in the Bible. And something like the, the NIV and certainly the New Living Translation would be in that category. And, uh, and then you've got an even looser uh, version, which is the paraphrase, like the message that we've had uh, quoted here today. So, yeah, I think the, the thing just to remember is that being able to compare where you can, and you can do it more easily, I realize, on a phone, be able to compare those different types of translations can be, can be very useful. So that's ancient or modern. The next question is read or listen, by which I mean, you know, um, maybe you can't read. Some people can't read, and therefore you can listen to the Bible, you can listen to it on a phone nowadays, or on a computer, or you can have somebody read the Bible to you. I think we found, when we were in our connect group, that when we read the Bible with each other, you sometimes hear things in the Bible, or notice things, should I say, in the Bible, that you don't always notice when you're just reading it yourself. Sometimes just hearing somebody else's voice uh, is, is always useful. So I think there's certainly value in having the Bible read, and of course we read the Bible together here on a Sunday. Um, but reading it, of course, is, is also important because when you read it, you're not, you're not just reading you know, a novel. You are reading God's living word. And so that driving instructor, or that nurse, or that personal coach is there with you as you're reading it, and therefore you are learning and growing with it. Next question is daily or occasionally? <laughs> By which I mean, you know, should you read the Bible every day, six o'clock in the morning, or just once in a while? 
And all I would say to you is, if you think of what Jesus said about the Bible being like food that you need to live, then the question in my mind, which I'll ask you, is do you eat every day or only once in a blue moon? Next question there is old or new? By which I mean the Old Testament or the New Testament. You know, should you just read the New Testament, just read the, you know, the, is the New Testament easier and you kind of ignore the, the older Old Testament? And I'm sure you're going to not be surprised when I said, well, of course we need to read both. Um, I hadn't fully appreciated until the other day that the word testament kind of means promise. So it's like old promise and new promise. Well, I don't know about you, if there are promises <laughs> that the Bible has for us, I want to know what those promises are. So Old Testament, New Testament, let's go for both. But some people say, well, where do you start? You know, well, I would definitely not say start at the beginning of Genesis and read all the way through. Um, often it's advised to start in the Gospels, maybe Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel is a nice, short, snappy, energetic uh, story of, of, of the life of Jesus. Uh, or indeed, uh, what, what is sometimes called the two volumes of Luke and Acts, Luke the Gospel of Luke and, and then Acts that follows because there you've got the story of Jesus and the story of the early church together but uh, yeah so clearly we, we need both old and new next question is all or some all or some um, and I suppose what I'm getting at is there that like we were saying about favorite books in the Bible sometimes we perhaps just keep going back to the Psalms or keep going back to parts that we like and of course it's important to see the big picture somehow we need to see the whole thing it's a bit like a jigsaw isn't it you need to see the picture, the whole jigsaw, to be able to put it all together. Um, and uh, that famous uh, quotation about an elephant, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So with the Bible, you can't eat the whole Bible. You can't read the whole Bible all, all at once. But you, you, you need to take it a little bit at, at a time uh, in, in the best way possible. So all or some, yes, you, you, we can't just have some of the Bible. We have got to have all of it. Next question is then or now, by which I mean it's important to understand as you do read the Bible what that particular part of the Bible that you're reading meant then in that sense, in that cultural background, in that situation. Um, but then now, we certainly need to understand what it means for us today. You might think that's stating the obvious, but you can, if you're not careful, end up being stuck in the then and not realize that it is completely relevant for now. So what does the Bible mean now? That's very important to, um, to understand. Next question is clear or confused? <laughs> and uh, you know, something of what I've said already, you might be thinking, oh my goodness me, where, where, where do I start? Or if I get stuck, what do I do? Well, again, if, you, if you're fairly new to, to the Bible or, or new to taking it a bit deeper, then a study Bible um, is, of course, the thing that will, you will find very, very helpful. Um, the, the, the New International Version of the Study Bible and the New Living Translation of the Study Bible are very good, indeed, uh, for you to, uh, to go to, because you'll find that when you get to a particular uh, section that you don't understand, you can look at the notes and read all about it. So uh, we don't need to be confused about the Bible, do we? We need to um, look at it and understand it as, as best we can. Um, next question is theory or practice. Um, <laughs> how easy it would be to read the Bible and put it to one side and think how lovely. What a lovely thought that is. But it's James actually in, um, in, in chapter 1 who says that we need to 
live the Bible. We need to be a doer of God's word. He says, don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. Next question is, alone or together? This is number 10, by the way. And the reason I say that is because, of course, it's important, it's helpful to be able to read the Bible on your own, and there are lots of daily devotionals that you can use. Um, inevitably, working for UCB, I'm going to mention the word for today, which is one, and it's free. Um, so you can read a Bible verse and a thought about that each day. So that's a personal way of doing things. There are reading plans on our on our phones nowadays, you version of lots of reading plans. Um, but I think there's also great value in, in, in reading the Bible and, and getting to grips with the Bible and understanding the Bible and applying the Bible together. And in a sense, we do that on Sundays. Uh, we do that in our connect groups. And uh, as I think we've hinted, uh, there is an opportunity in the next few weeks to be part of something here at the Foundry that uh, will be a bit different. Um, something for the new year, uh, and it will, I hope, in a sense, enable you to answer the question that we had right at the beginning, and that's to uh, let the Bible change your life this year. So something I've always wanted to say, going to a cinema, is uh, just watch the screen, because it's now time for the trailer. What? It has begun. What has? Who has ascended into heaven and come back down? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What did you see? He performs miracles and seeks no credit. Be cleansed. I was one way, and now I am completely different. I am his. I am redeemed. So it struck me that, uh, you know, we, we have this fantastic facility here with this great big screen. Um, my son and I went to the cinema over Christmas uh, and the auditorium held, I think it was 420 people and there were seven of us <laughs> watching this film. <laughs> uh, but here we have what essentially is a fantastic auditorium with a great big screen. And The Chosen, if you don't know about The Chosen, The Chosen is a uh, series of short films that portray the life of Jesus based on the Bible. They've used a certain amount of artistic license to introduce some of the characters, but it is very much based on the Bible. And what we thought we'd do is we'd show uh, the first season over eight weeks um, here on the big screen, and then gather together in this uh, area here and have a bit of a conversation. And hopefully if you've got your Bible, you can, you can bring it along. 
Um, it's, it's a very uh, powerful series of films, and I think you'll find it, you know, something that would encourage you to, you know, perhaps either go back to the Bible or give the Bible a go or, or go deeper with the Bible. And so we're going to start that on the 16th of January, week on Tuesday, here on a uh, 7.30. Um, should th be thrilled to about nine o'clock. And I know that if there are some groups that meet on a Tuesday, they've been uh, contacted to invite them to be part of it if they want to be. Uh, if you're in a connect group that meets on a Tuesday, you'd be very welcome to be part of that. So Chosen Tuesdays, which sort of sounds right, <laughs> Chosen Tuesdays is what we're calling it. Chosen Tuesdays, uh, 7.30, week on Tuesday. Uh, and we look forward to that. And I hope, yeah, very much that that will be a chance for us all to um, engage with the Bible in an exciting and, uh, and slightly different way this year. Just before I pray, um, a reminder that uh, in, the, in the corner there, there's an opportunity for uh, anyone to go and be prayed with and for. Um, there may be lots of things going on in your life and you would just appreciate a uh, brother or sister to pray with you. So feel free during this song that we're going to have uh, to finish uh, to go and be part of uh, that uh, opportunity. So prayer uh, just there uh, across the way there. But uh, tell you what, maybe just if you'd be good enough to stand and we can be ready to sing our final song, um, which is uh, going to be What a Beautiful Name. Because that, of course, then puts the focus very much on Jesus um, and ensures that Jesus is front and centre, which is where he needs to be. And I'm just going to finish with a, a very, very short prayer, which I've, I'm borrowing the words from, um, would you believe, a 13th century prayer of St. Richard of Chichester, which sounds very grand. But he wrote these words, which I think have been passed down through the centuries. They've even crept into a, a musical godspell. But I think they're very powerful words, very simple words. And they're a prayer to Jesus, which I think is where we need to be, particularly as we go into our next song. And this prayer is this. Lord Jesus, this year, more than ever before, we want to know Thee more clearly, love Thee more dearly, and follow Thee more nearly, day by day. Amen. <laughs>